Hello, friends. Welcome to the Not So Badass, Not So Basic Badass podcast. I'm so excited today to have my first guest on the show, Alana Schramm. She is one of my most favorite people in the whole entire universe, and I'm going to let her give you a quick intro, and then I'm going to brag all about her because that's what I do. Okay, so Alana, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and you're also one of my favorite people, so love that. Yay! Um, I'm a coach. I'm a joy coach. I work with people who want to connect more to their joy. Um, so many of us learn self-coaching tools or coaching tools, and then we kind of use them against ourselves um, and just sort of stay in this really mental space and then disconnect kind of like with what our souls really desire, what our hearts really desire. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, I love helping people connect back to that place so that they can create the joy that they that they want and live the life that they want. So yeah, I love that. Like coming from my first certification being also as a mindset coach. I definitely resonate with that, right? Like we learn the brain that our thoughts create our feelings and then we kind of go into the space of like, great, well, like our thoughts control our feelings. So that means that I should be able to control my thoughts. So I feel amazing all of the time. And when that doesn't work exactly, yeah, like what you said, we use it against ourselves. So I love that you bring in like that intuitive emotional piece. So from my perspective, I met Alana in a coaching call. She was a coach that came up like for a session. There were rotating coaches and she was just like amazing. She came on with her beautiful makeup. For those of you that are just listening to the podcast, she always has like this really eccentric, expressive makeup look that's just amazing and her energy. And so I started kind of seeing her name everywhere. I think we're in at this point, like three or four of the same coaching programs. I don't know. Um, But she's an inner voice coach, a makeup extraordinaire, and just this warm, loving, healing human. So that is Alana. So let's kind of jump in here. I'd love to hear more about your journey and what got you to the point that you wanted to become a coach, that you wanted to like integrate in the mind and the intuition piece. Yeah, let me journey. Um, so I did, I did, I think we did the same certification yeah. for mindset coaching. Yeah, totally. <laughs> of course, because we just follow each other and do all of the same things. Yeah, so the life coach school. Amazing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, um, and I loved it. It was, it's like the foundation of all of the coaching that I do for sure. Um, but I did feel there was this missing piece in terms of the emotion. So I just noticed with myself, oh, the thoughts create, the thoughts we have create our feelings and I'm feeling bad. I should be able to feel good if it's in my control. So then I was kind of struggling against my feelings and never really sort of paying attention to what my feelings were trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of what I took away which is not what they said necessarily, but what I took away was, um, you know, like the negative feelings are just something that you have to navigate through and it's, you know, the 50-50 life and it's not a problem and all of that. Um, But what I've kind of discovered through going, adding the layer of inner voice work is that negative emotions are actually like not something just we forget, oh, well, the negative emotions, guess I'll deal with that. They're actually um, really beneficial. They're really benevolent, like rumble strips almost that help us see when we're out of our alignment um, with ourselves and they so they they can help us connect back to ourselves back to our intuition um, and give us some really valuable data that 
just thinking things through wouldn't be able to give us, right? Like so much of our thoughts are um, things we've just downloaded from um, collective, like collective. Yeah, like they're not even really our thoughts. Like sometimes we, I, I get this all the time. Like I write down all of these things and it's like this one thought that's just so sticky. And I'm like, where does this come from? Like, this is not my idea. And then when you kind of get out of it, and you realize, oh my gosh, like I've just been taught this and fed this my whole life. All of a sudden it's like, oh, nothing's wrong with me. I've just like internalized something stupid. Yeah. Internalize something. <laughs> Rachel coaching. Internalizing <laughs> something stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And and it can be so hard to know when you're in that, like because when you're just thinking and in your head all the time, and then you use more thoughts to kind of like navigate right. your thoughts and you just end up staying in the same sort of paradigms your emotions specifically negative emotions will tell you when something's kind of like a mix why why am i feeling bad when quote unquote all the thoughts are lined up and all of my external world is lined up what's what's missing here your emotions will tell you hey when mm. you want to check in something's out of alignment so they're actually really um, incredible amazing tools and i'm on a mission to like reclaim negative emotions and oh my like, gosh I love that so much and I love that you called them like rumble strips so like you're driving down the highway and then like you start to kind of doze off or something or just like you're going on a road trip and then the rumble strips hit and it's like oh this is uncomfortable I'm I'm rearing in the wrong direction and like what Brene Brown talks about is when there's a negative emotion especially like shame you have to rumble with it you have to like kind of just be in it and okay, what is this piece? What is that piece? And like when we go down the road and we hit a rumble strip, we don't like, oh my gosh, you suck at driving. What are you doing wrong? <laughs> but like so often, yeah, it's like, okay, I have to fix this right away. So I love what you're saying, right? About the negative emotions being benevolent. So how does that look? like in a practical example? Yeah, so, hmm, okay, let me think of an example. Okay, so recently I had a session with a client who um, was having sort of jealousy feelings, or not jealousy feelings, they were just jealousy. Um, and, you know, she was kind of judging herself for feeling jealous, like, oh, I, I'm just thinking, I'm comparing myself to this person, and that's bad, and I shouldn't be doing that. And so, you know, spending a lot of time in sort of the judgment of the negative feelings. Yes. Um, and so what she wasn't doing was taking a look at, okay, what is this jealousy here to tell? If I'm not judging myself for having this jealousy, and I tune into the jealousy and ask the jealousy like what's, what it's here to tell me and what it wants me to know about me, what we uncovered is that there were things out of alignment in her life that other people were doing that she wasn't giving herself permission. Mm. Um, so kind of like if, if she was like driving the car and hitting the rumbles, the rumble strip and being like, oh no, like I'm such a bad driver. I shouldn't like something's wrong with the car. Something's wrong with me. And like kind of judging the fact that the rumble strip is there without then being like, oh, the rumble strip is here to tell me that I'm off the road. I need to come, I yeah. need to come back to the center. Um, and so we engaged with her jealousy and processed it through. And then she was able to see where, where she was sort of denying herself the things that she really wanted and what a benevolent thing it was for that jealousy yeah. and up through this, like comparing herself to somebody else to see something that she 
um, that we wanted. So yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's like the, we know that those negative emotions, like this is kind of my belief is that anything that doesn't feel good in our bodies is because something's happening that's not really in line with our highest self. Something's happening, whether it is a perspective that we're having and it's a thought that we need to shift or like something is actually happening that's like, no, this doesn't feel right to me. And so I think that that is kind of why the first reaction is to be like, this shouldn't be there because like it doesn't feel good. But what we miss is that it's not the feeling that's the problem. It's what's behind it. So yeah, like instead of resisting that, because that perpetuates it, it's, it's like there's a rotten onion and then like, instead of just throwing out the onion or looking at, okay, this doesn't belong here. Let's just throw that in trash. You put on another layer of the onion outside and then like, you can't actually access the wisdom inside. Yeah. But that's so hard to do. Like. I'm a coach and I know these things, but exactly like when you're in your own brain, when you're in your own head, it's so hard to kind of like step out and notice where you are. Even if you know the concept, you know, the tools and you know, like, okay, I don't really want to judge myself because it's not useful. So what would you say would be like when you notice that you're in judgment, when you notice that you're having a negative emotion, you kind of have those two layers there what would you say is kind of the first step to uncovering and releasing that so you can actually find the wisdom in that in that emotion mm, that's such a great question so it's just meeting ourselves wherever we are oftentimes it's like especially when you're a coach or a healer or or just a very self-aware person you'll kind of see what you're doing and yeah be like oh that's bad so we <laughs> might be like we might be judging our negative emotion and being like, oh no, I'm judging the negative emotion and then creating an additional layer. And then we might be noticing that we're judging the judgment and be like, oh no, I'm judging it. And like, we just keep- It compiles, it compiles. And it becomes so overwhelming too. Cause it's like, God, like, why can't I just stop this? Totally. <laughs> totally. It's like, it's like when you're in the bathroom at the mall and you know, the, when there's like mirrors on either side and it just is a never ending mirror reflection. That I love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first step is just to meet ourselves where we are. It's totally, actually like resisting is the, always the first step of processing emotions. Like literally if you're resisting an emotion, you're already on the right track because you're kind of like engaging with it as opposed to like. Love that. I have to write that down. Okay. Say it again. If you're resisting it, then that's the first step. It's always the first step of processing oh emotions. Gosh. Because I love like, that. <laughs> if you if you weren't resisting, that would mean that you weren't even aware of it at all. The fact that you're resisting means that you've already started the process of en en engaging with a negative emotion. And like, as you know, our brain, our brains always run away from 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 perceived danger, right? Like whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, pain is pain to the brain. And it's like, oh, no, pain, got to run away, got to protect. So always the first step it's not even a problem as soon as we recognize that if we are if we're not layering on the judgment if we have compassion like, of course my brain is resisting this of course I don't want to feel pain it's totally normal then we can start to then like start the actual process of processing mm -hmm. feelings feeling it yeah 
Okay. Okay. So you just took it like up another metal level in my brain is like, you notice the resistance and then the way that I normally approach it, that has seemed like to work for me is like, okay, I feel really negative. I notice the judgment. I notice the shame. I write everything down. And then I like, I try to process the emotion from a place of like trying to make it last as long as possible. And that sounds really paradoxical, but it kind of flips the switch on the resistance instead of like trying to push it away. I try to hold on to it. And that really helps me to like notice, like the longer I try to hold on to it, the easier it kind of just drops away. So what you're saying, right, is like noticing the resistance and then beginning the the, the process of processing it. And what would you describe? Like, I know for the longest time, I was like, what does processing an emotion even mean? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? So how would you explain that to someone that is used to resisting or like eating or drinking or distracting themselves away from it so that they can start to kind of learn that skill? Yeah. So again, the first step is just creating awareness of wherever you are. So I kind of like to think of, I mean, we, we sort of think of, let's say you feel a negative emotion and then you eat a chocolate to, to help yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. Buffering. Yeah. We use in our coaching modality. Um, we'll kind of see the buffering as bad. Oh no, I'm doing a bad thing. And so again, we're creating more judgment layers. Yeah. So you always want to combat, combat sounds kind of boring. Maybe that's not the best word, but we always want to like neutralize it um, by just creating awareness and maybe even compassion. So I like, I like thinking of like the buffering activity, like eating chocolates or watching Netflix as just an extent, an extension of the like negative feeling. The negative feeling maybe starts in your heart and then like, maybe it like flows up into your throat and then it maybe goes up into your hand and then maybe it goes into like, catching the chocolate. Um, it's all just your body dealing with emotions the way that it knows how. Mm-hmm. Um, but like one way to like sort of get to the core of it is um, the first step, the number one first step after creating the awareness mm-hmm. is creating consent with yourself or mm-hmm. safety to actually process the emotion because oftentimes we'll, we'll kind of do things against our will, which will then make, will kind of increase the resistance again. Yeah. We like force ourselves like, okay, got to process this, got to feel it. (laughs) Totally. And really all our negative emotions are our portals to, of ourselves trying to connect with ourselves. So Mm -hmm. if we're like forcing against ourselves, we're kind of creating even more disconnection. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I love starting processing emotions once I've decided to actually do the processing is to actually ask myself, do I consent to this? Am I willing? Mm. Do I want to do this? Do I want to connect with myself in this way? And then getting my clear yes. Yeah. Uh, and then and then just like creating safety in, in the ways that yeah. that work for me. So I mean it's different for everyone, but yeah. What if the answer is no? What if you ask yourself, mm. like, are you ready to go there? Can we do this together? And it's like, no, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. So then I would just honor that with myself, right? It's like, oh, like I could, I might ask myself what's wrong. Like why, why not? That's mm. what's wrong with you. And maybe like, there's a part of me that's like, 
feeling fear and maybe the fear comes up. I'm like afraid to process emotion. And then I'm like, oh, there's this fear layer on top of the, let's say, whatever, let's say the original emotion is sadness and then yeah. maybe my fear on top of that. And then I'll ask myself like, oh, what about the fear? Is that something you want to process? And eventually I do, I mean, you, you do get to this place where, yeah. You're, but it, but if but if not, I shouldn't say eventually you get to like some sometimes it's a no. And I think again, it's just about creating this connection with yourself. So if you if you if you honor your inner self's wishes and cr- you can start to build trust and safety. So then so then yourself, you will be able to trust yourself like when it's time like now it is now I do trust you and now I do want to process Mm -hmm. you create that 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 relationship of trust with yourself yeah and I guess that's the final layer of removing the resistance there's the resistance to the emotion itself Mm -hmm. and the fear of you know how it will actually what it will actually be like if you allow yourself to feel it and then there's that rational part of the brain. And then there's the inner child part. That's kind of how I picture it is like mm-hmm. asking for consent with yourself of the part that is hurting of the part that's really tender, like kind of talking, like I used to work at a kindergarten. So the way that you have to talk to the kids is like, okay, like, let's have a seat. I want to talk to you about something. Are you ready? And if my students were crying, they'd be like, no, I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to sit here with you for a little bit. Is that okay? <laughs> so really, yeah, like building a relationship with the part of you, the person that's inside of you that's like having a hard time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, that's such a that is such a brilliant visual because you can imagine, right? If, if there's like the small child that's like crying and you're like, are you ready to process some pain? And they're like, no. And you're like, we're gonna process the pain now. We're gonna do it. And you just cry like, even more. Yeah. And they're not going to trust you, probably, right? Next time you ask, hey, do you want to process? They're going to, they're already going to have that, like, I don't know about this one. Yeah, totally. So it's like in in a chemistry experiment, you've got like the acid. I guess we can put that as the negative emotion. And then you've got the base, which could be like the willingness to process it. And then the buffer or, or like, um, the buffering solution, which kind of combines it all so that you can neutralize it would be that trust. So you've got like the willingness to process the negative emotion, and then it ties it all together so that the emotion can actually become neutral and you can get yourself to a place that you're ready to take action or ready to create a new emotion that you can actually use like to your benefit. Cause that's, that's where the wisdom part comes in, right? It's like when you process it, you can look at it and be like, okay, why is this here for me? Oh my gosh. I, I can't even respond right away because I feel like the top of my head is like floating <laughs> away like the emoji. That's, that is a brilliant analogy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What was the question? Now I'm like still thinking about that. Analogy. No, there wasn't a question. It just, an analogy came that I wanted to share. So <laughs> I guess the next question would be, you know, you're in, you have this work with the intuition and when we start, I think if, for those of us that have started with the mindset work, we're so heavy in that we, it's a process to kind of learn that intuition, to learn that inner voice. So the first question is how can you find that? How can you find how your inner voice speaks to you specifically? 
Mm, yeah, so there's there are so many ways to connect um, to your inner voice. One, one of, I mean, definitely one of the ways is through your negative emotions. So like I was mentioning earlier, your, your negative emotions are kind of like this portal that connects you to yourself. And when you engage with them, when you process them until they've shifted, then you can actually receive the message that they've come, that they've come up to tell you. Your inner voice can kind of speak through that as your negative emotions are being processed. There's just a block, a mental block between um, like what your inner voice is telling you and your mind. So when you process your emotion, sort of your inner voice can come through. Okay. Um, yeah. Did you say that that block, that's the resistance to the emotion? Mm, yeah, the the resistance is an additional layer, but... Okay. Wait, let me think about that. Yeah, actually. Okay. <laughs> we just got that now. Totally. Yeah, it's it's the resistance to the emotion. Okay. Yeah, the blocking. Okay. As soon as, you, as soon as we process it through... Oftentimes, not not necessarily every time, and we don't need to get an actual like message to the brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we do process it through, we can engage, like we can hear actual words from that, or or get us. Yeah, like that aha moment. Okay, you can feel it kind of shift. Like okay, I can see clearly now. My my body, my nervous system has calmed down a little bit, and I know like for some people, sometimes what I ask my clients is like, where do you feel truth in your body? Mm. And sometimes like people think, okay, when I made this really good decision that I loved, like, I just felt this like really solid feeling in my throat. And like, I feel it as like a, like a Brown pillar that like, like I kind of turn into a tree. That's how I know like truth is present, but that took me a really long time to figure out because the brain is so loud. And when we're used to being in like overwhelm or anxiety or like even depression, really any emotion that, that cuts us off or numbs us from our bodies, it's so hard to access that. Right. So like, of course we all have that inner voice inside, you know, process it through, come to a space of neutrality. And then what, like, what are some different ways that the inner voice can communicate to to people? Yeah, so I think you nailed it on the head, which is like our inner voices can connect to us actually through our. So when we're in our head, that that noise is very, or that voice is very loud. Like the brain's voice is very loud and sort of can drown out the quieter mm. sort of. It's like if the the brain is more of like a yell. And the inner voice is more of a whisper. Mm-hmm. So to hear the inner voice, we do have to come out of our brain or let the brain sort of quiet down. And one and one of the ways to do that is to come into your body. So with a negative emotion, for example, sometimes they get so it gets so painful that we can't we can't mindset our way out of it. Yeah. That we have to come into our body because it's just impossible to like use our brain. So that's, that's kind of like almost like a forced come inside your body um, at, at a certain point, right? Um, but we, it doesn't always have to be through negative emotions. It can also just be quietly sitting in a space where you feel safe and comfortable and just asking a question and listening mm-hmm. to that space, exhaling, holding the breath, sort of like when our, when our, when our minds 
hold a thought, we also are holding the breath at the same time. So oh, exhaling also lets us hear inner voice more because we can't exhale and think um, mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, there's like, for me, like through dance, that is like a way to like kind of be in my body as well. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, writing is really good for some people. You can like write with write with one hand. Like non-dominant hand or? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just like try all of the things. I've heard them not going, but I, I actually just use the same hand to write both. Okay. To try both. Um, yeah. I've tried like the non-dominant hand thing before and I use for me I find it just gets so frustrating because I can't right? read what I'm writing and it's so slow <laughs> yeah same totally yeah or or sometimes I'll like record myself I'll like ask myself mm-hmm. a question and so I, I like recording myself because I'll notice that my brain sort of wants to kind of jump in and try to remember so if I'm just recording myself and exhaling, 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 and just mm-hmm. feeling into what, feeling into what the truth is, um, but but the but it's always it's always like really gentle with yourself to slow. So even just getting like an intuitive match of like what nail polish color do I want to wear? What feels like what feels like yummy and yeah, or like what what I feel like eating? Sort of the we have we have more access to our inner intuition when our when our brains aren't as engaged. So asking questions about your business, probably there's so many thoughts there. Like, oh yeah, I don't want to mess up, so so I got to do yeah. it this way. And, and so the brain is like really frantic in those areas. Probably a little bit harder to access our intuition or inner voices from that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things that feel kind of not important to the brain are can be an amazing place to start. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love that you mention like dancing for me, like art and singing and just like expressing. It's one of those things that, you know, singing in particular, because there's like the vibration that comes just from Mm -hmm. the singing. So I can kind of like match whatever vibration wants to come out. I mean, I can't hit like super low notes or anything. So when I'm feeling like really down, I'd usually just turn on like a choir piece and let the bass rumble around me. But <laughs> I, love that. Oh my gosh, I knew you were a singer. From yeah. Your, um, that t- did you do a TikTok or something? I did do a TikTok at one point in time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Oh yeah. Well, and then with the dancing too, it's, it's like you can almost imagine what the emotion would be like if it had a body how would anger dance? How would anxiety dance? How would excitement dance? How would, how would love move? Mm -hmm. And so you really start to like teach your body how to feel an emotion, especially if it's not one that you are accustomed to feeling or one that like you think this is, this is what's true for a lot of people is like, they practice, like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And they don't feel anything. It's like a block. Cause they just haven't felt that in so long. So bringing in that dancing piece of like, if love had a body, how would it dance? Like, I guess it's embodiment at its finest. Yeah. That, oh, that's so, that is so, I definitely have that practice where I'm like the weirdo that dances outside, like practicing and literally like sobbing as I'm like <laughs> noodling around, but yeah, no, totally. It, it can be, it's like we, we can't, I mean, I guess you can sort of think your way to an emotion, but it's, it's 
the, um, an emotion isn't felt in the brain it's felt in the body so yeah you could think something and create that emotion but you could also like move your body and engage your body and really feel it in such a in a much stronger I guess like embodied embodied way and it's um, fun yeah. you're not just trying to sit there like okay confidence <laughs> confidence it feels like so pushy yeah <laughs> and I love I love that idea that you said it's all about like teaching your body because if you if you've never experienced it or you your brain doesn't like quite feel comfortable in um, certain emotions like for me for example when feeling sexy for example I had never really felt that before so it was really hard to kind of think my way there like what I mean I guess I would think of like women I wanted to look like or something or you know sexy scenes or something but it, it was very difficult to feel it in my body yeah. um versus like dancing to like some music that kind of got my senses engaged and made me like what does it feel like to or, or powerful what does sexy what does powerful feel like in my body when I'm moving with that energy that I could really grasp in a, in a deeper way. Like with my brain, I couldn't get there because I didn't have any prior experience yeah. to like jump to. Yeah. It's like the thought awareness of like this thought, if I believed it would make me feel that way is kind of the foundation. I think it's important to know what you would need to believe in order to like feel a certain way. And I guess that's like the motherboard of the computer, but without a power cord, you can't actually connect so that you can use it in your, in your real life. So yeah, that embodying practice, teaching your body, like the roadmap of this is what it would actually feel like. Cause otherwise it's just like, you try to turn the computer on, but there's, there's no juice to pull it from. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Clean analogy over there. So good. Yeah. I love, I love me some analogies. <laughs> Okay. And you were talking before about, um, like the world's voice and I guess like deconditioning in a way of separating what you really want, using that inner voice to help you get in touch with what you want. How do you suggest, or how do you like help your clients to find clarity and differentiate between what is like this false desire or something that I think I should want versus the desires of my actual heart? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, emotions, right? Like you can trick your brain, right? It's like you can totally logic one side and another side, right? Like I should, I don't know, I should do Instagram versus I should do TikTok. Like you, you can, you can argue either side, either way, or mm -hmm. I should do neither, right? You can, you can, you can rationally argue any, mm -hmm. any side. Um, so that doesn't really help necessarily, right? It's like, but you can't, your body can't lie. Like when it doesn't feel right, it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. No matter how you, like you can, you can kind of convince yourself in your mind, but if something is feeling off and you try to convince yourself that feeling is like, well, change the thoughts around that feeling and you're still feeling off. Yeah. And that's just an indication, right? Like you can't, because your body and your mind speak different languages, right? Your mind, my gosh, yes, and thoughts, yeah, and your body speaks the language of emotions and vibrations, mm -hmm. and the kind of like interpreter is your awareness. Oh, that's so good. Your interpreter is your awareness. Yeah, because we're like trying to use thoughts to like change the body, but it's like it just doesn't work. They don't speak. Yeah, 
Because like sometimes we want to want something. So we try and like manage our mind into a decision that we think we should have. Like I remember it was earlier this year, I was making a decision about whether or not I wanted to stay in China, continue like my part-time kindergarten job working with my business on the side, or if I wanted to move back. And I probably had the inkling that I wanted to move back in like late February And then I was like, okay, I have to make this decision. So I made a spreadsheet with all the different places I could live and the pros and the cons and the money and the safety and the freedom and like rated the numbers on one to 10 and made this like calculation of like the importance of the variables so that I could let a number determine whether or not I would stay. And as soon as I started that process, I was like, I know what I want to do. I felt it. But then I was like, no, Rachel, you have to make a rational decision. Numbers don't line up. Numbers. (laughs) And they didn't line up. And so I convinced myself that I wanted to stay because it felt safer from the brain's perspective to stay with what was comfortable. But it it didn't feel good. It felt like, oh, like I have to stay for another year. I don't want to do this. So finally, it was like, you know what? I'm just not. I'm not going to do it. And as soon as I made that decision, it was like plane ticket. My school let me out of my contract. It was so easy to get home. I packed up all my stuff. Things were sent. Like it was the easiest thing in the world when I just decided I'm going to trust this and my brain's going to go wild. It's fine because I know what I want. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so good. That's so good. And, and like, side note, like, isn't it so amazing to have such a like meticulous and like problem solving brain like such it's so amazing that you have a brain that can break things down in that way and assign numbers and be rational and like maybe that's just not the right tool for making a decision about the way you want to spend your life but it's so great to have that for like other things I always think like we want to make decisions from our inner knowing or from our intuition and then use that amazing brain to like implement that decision and make that decision Mm-hmm. This reality and like the physical yeah. reality. It's um, for planning, it's for creating on some level. It is a powerful tool for sure, but I love that decisions come from your body. Mm. And and you know the wonderful thing is like even if when I started doing this work, I definitely started going down the perfectionistic route. Like, oh my gosh, but like all the decisions and like what if I don't make the right decision according to my I so feel that. <laughs> right? So I still feel that for sure. Cause, cause we still have brains always. We're humans. Uh, we're humans with perfectionistic brains always. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing that really helped me like a concept is that it's not like, it's not like your intuition or your knowing is going anywhere. Like even if you make a decision with your mind and it, it didn't feel like the correct aligned, like intuitive decision, mm-hmm your body's not going to let you forget that. It's like, I was in a relationship and I knew it wasn't correct. And I tried to use my mind to, you know, stay in and, you know, there's so many reasons to stay and there's so many reasons, there's so many bad reasons to leave and all of the things. Um, And that knowing just kept following me around until I made that decision to not be in the relationship anymore. And it's so nice to know that it doesn't even matter if you don't listen right away because you, whenever you decide to tune in, it's always still waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you've got this wonderful little golden retriever following you along all the time. Yeah. Your, your inner voice for sure. 
I love that. And I think that's true for so many people, like making the right decision. And that's when the brain starts to go crazy about, okay, I have to figure this out. I have to predict the future. I have to map out all of the possibilities from A to Z. Otherwise, we're going to make the wrong decision. But yeah, if your inner voice is always there, then it can always be like, hey, go the other way. You're messing up and get you back on track. That's yeah. so comforting. Yeah. And that's even for you, right? Like, I, I mean, my belief about life is just, we're just learning how to live more and more aligned with what's true for us. Like, we're, that's just the goal. We're just, we keep having all of these external events happen to give us other opportunities to connect deeper with ourselves, right? It's like the goal of your life. It's like, you're just going to keep connecting and keep aligning and keep getting closer and closer to, to our truth. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's kind of part of the goal. Like it's kind of part of the journey that we're not going to follow it sometimes. And that yeah. the not following it will lead to another attempt. Like, Hey, what about now? And then we might say no. And then hey, what about now until we listen and then we'll just keep like practicing. And it's just like anything going to the gym or any of the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we didn't have that, if we were always making those aligned decisions, it would be a boring we would already be perfect. There would be no point of life. And I think one of the most fulfilling things of, you know, doing this inner, inner work, inner voice, mindset, personal development is that opportunity for growth and the pride that you get to have in yourself of like, I did that. That's pretty cool. I'm really proud that I accomplished that. And without those like obstacles, kind of like throwing a throwing a loop in your plans so to speak and that it wouldn't be as amazing because you can't have the positive without the negative like every emotion has its equal and opposite emotion yeah yeah like every single obstacle although side note not that I would ever tell myself that during it because when you're in the middle of it and just in the like in the the ocean drowning from the emotion probably like oh my gosh this is so great it's for you not the right time but but in hindsight we can always see that all all obstacles are they're coming up so that we can see what part of ourselves we're rejecting where there isn't alignment yet Mm. and once we've learned the lesson of how do we connect to that part how do we like how can we support ourselves through that obstacle it's like that that obstacle no longer needs to be there because we've learned the lesson yeah And then there's more of that self-trust that you talked about because you're developing, you're looking back at it and you're like, okay, I can see how that was for me. Once you learn how to learn from those negative emotions, it almost makes it too like once you're in it, it's like, this is not fun, but I know that it's going to pass. I know how to get through it slash I'm learning how to get through it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it makes the peaks and the valleys seem like less of a big deal because you know that like you're, you're learning how to figure it out. Totally. Mm, This is so good. (laughs) Yeah, it is so good. I feel like you and I can just talk about emotions all day long. They're like the most important thing in the whole entire world. So (laughs) agreed. Agreed. Okay, Alana. So we've got one final question. What is the weirdest fact about you? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> like Rachel asked me this question right before we started the podcast and then I immediately forgot about it. Hopefully my subconscious will work to find an answer. You're just saying about me. Um, I don't know. I have I have elf ears or like pixie ears. They're like oh, like a <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. I was like really sad because I wanted those um you know the earrings you get at the cartilage piercing. Yeah, I can't get them because my ears are flat there. Oh yeah, I don't know. That wasn't a really interesting one, but <laughs> could you get it like on the like still like the far outside, or it just wouldn't be visible? No, it wouldn't be visible. Mm. It's okay. You have the perfect accessory there, anyways. Oh, my, my face attached to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay, Alana, can you tell the listeners where they can find you, how to get in touch? Totally. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Alana Moves, A L A M, like noodle, A M, like mango, O V E S. Um, and then alanashram.com. Uh, Okay, perfect. And I'll link that up in the show notes for everybody so that they can follow you and absorb your amazing, wonderful inner voice goodness. Thank you so much, Rachel. So, and I, of course, knew it would be because every single time I interact with you, I'm like, fun. I know. We just have so much fun. <laughs> All right, friends. That's a wrap for today. We will talk with you next week.